There we go. There we go. Church, happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter. That was like 70, y'all. Took a little bit of time, but we warmed up. Welcome to everyone joining us online. My name is John, one of the pastors here. I know we already had a show of hands. How many of you are here for the first, second, or third time at Greenhouse? First, second, or third time. Welcome. That's awesome. That's amazing. First timers, you're kind of stuck with us, right? You're like, man, I can't leave now. It'll be awkward. But second or third timers, you liked us enough to come back. That's kind of cool. So uh, I- I'm excited to be here. My name is John. You already l- met my lovely wife, Nancy, my better half. We have two children, Liam and Lucia. They are tons of fun and keep us on our toes. I am from a Jewish background, so my- I am your Hebrew brother from another mother, but the same father in heaven. Um, and so my wife is Puerto Rican, so we got little Jew Rican babies that run around. They celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah, and they're not quite sure exactly what they celebrate, but they like it all. And uh, here at Greenhouse, our vision is we want to help ordinary people like you and I become passionate followers of Jesus. And so if you're already a follower of Jesus, I pray that this would stir your passion and your love for Jesus. If you're here and you're investigating God, faith, and spirituality, if you're watching us online and you're checking things out, so thrilled that you're here. And, And my prayer and hope is that you would sense a real hope that would be stirred as we study and look into the scriptures this morning. Um, if you would not mind jumping to your feet or standing to your feet, however much energy you got in your frame, as we read and honor God's word together, even if you're online, stand your feet with, with us. Why don't you join us? Burn some calories there. John 16 is going to be the passage. I am a talk back type of preacher. And so if you yell at me, if you scream at me, you can say amen, hallelujah, preach it, white boy. I don't care what you say. Just say something because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel loved and then I'll preach better and we'll be done sooner. Sound good? All right. Sounds good. John 16, verse 16. If you're ready, say let's do this. Here we go. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then, and then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples are like, what you talking about, Willis? In a little while you see me, then you won't see me, then you will because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what is Jesus talking about? Anybody, let's be honest here, anybody ever been at that spot? You're like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Lord, make it clear. Make it clear. We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw what they wanted to ask him about this. And so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me. Freak me out. When Jesus reads your thoughts, you know you found the Messiah. He says, listen, let me break it down. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. But what does it say? All... There we go. So reading, reading matters, reading rainbow here. Your grief will turn to joy. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her what? Joy that a child is born into the world. So it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And here's a promise. Jesus says, and no one will take away your joy. He says, you will grieve, you will mourn, it will be hard, life will be challenging, but, but it's going to turn and no one will take away your joy. Turn to your neighbor and say, joy, joy. Let's pray. Jesus, talk to us about joy. Amen. You can find a seat, turn to him again and say, joy. It's time for joy. It's time for joy. You ever went into a situation with high hopes and aspirations only to have them dashed to pieces? 
Anyone ever been there? You walked in super excited only to be disappointed. Um, in the last family, we're a sports family. Any sports people out there? Am I in good company here? I had something one time. Uh, we're, we're a sports family. I'm a football guy. Uh, I'm a hockey guy. I like most sports. In our family, uh, we, I have sort of unapologetically indoctrinated my children into rooting for the right teams. And so in the last household, we are Florida Gator fans. I know some of y'all are not, but my wife and I, they got all our monies. Double Gator, my wife is a Double Gator, bachelor's and master's degrees, and so we're Gator fans. I feel like, I feel right in my heart because the sky is blue and the sun is orange, and so we know who God is rooting for, okay, but that's not the point, so we root for the Gators. In our home, maybe I'll get some more resonance here. In our home, we are also Dolphin fans. All right, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Um, We're a little bit masochistic in the last household, so we keep rooting for the Dolphins. They're making some moves on this draft day. I'm a little nervous, but I'm hopeful. Please, Lord. There's one more team that we really like in the last household. We are Panther fans. Anyone know what sport that is? Hockey, okay, some of y'all actually know, yeah, so, so I am one of like 17 individuals in South Florida who grew up playing hockey, uh, I played all through uh, middle school, high school, all the way into college, and so uh, we're a Panther family, and so my son has always, we kind of watched the games, and he went to the games back when you could do stuff like that, and, uh, and so my son was all excited to meet Stanley the Panther, the mascot, I won't get into the whole story, but I'll just let you know it did not turn out how we had hoped, here's a picture from his first meeting with Stanley the Panther, He is crying his eyes out, if you can't tell right there. A look of utter terror in Nana's arms. And and, and so we we learned our lesson from this experience, or so I thought. We said, we're going to wait a few more years. He was all excited, and and I'm going to take Liam ice skating. And so we had talked about ice skating. He was watching the Panther games. He was getting all excited. He's like, man, this is going to be great. We waited a little bit more time because we realized, man, the mascot, when he was real small, the mascot was real big. And so we're like, we'll let him grow up a little bit, mature a little bit more. And so we took him to ice skating, and we got to the rink. He was all excited. And we got in the rink, and we started checking in, and he was all excited. And we got the skates, and we found his skates, and we tied him up, and he was all excited. And we walked up to the ice, and he was all excited. And he was thrilled up until the point that his little feet touched the ice, and he realized something important about hockey. The ice is made of ice, which means it's super slippery. And so he gets on the ice, and his feet start going all the sorts of ways, and he starts crying. I'm like, no, Jesus. Now, listen. Uh, I am your Hebrew brother from another mother, and so I I am in tracking with that quite fiscally responsible. And so I I was like, like, we're going to get our money's worth because ice skating is not cheap. I'm like, we're going to get our money's worth here. I believe in stewardship, son, and this is bad stewardship to not steward this opportunity that we paid for. And so I tried so hard, and we got him around the rink one solid time in like two hours. And I was like, man, this is the worst thing ever. Ever been there? Not with ice skating, but just in general with life. I feel like in some ways, collective humanity has felt the reality of this. Like, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but 2019 was a, was a horrible year for me personally. My father passed away unexpectedly, one of my mentors, one of my heroes. And so I remember uttering the words, 2019, good riddance, here comes 2020. Anybody else? Anybody else entering the 2020 with high hopes? You're like, 2020 vision. All the prophets are saying it's going to be great. This is going to be amazing. And then the Rona. And then a pandemic. And then life happens. 
And we find ourselves at this interesting crossroads with Jesus and his words about joy on this Easter Sunday because it feels like if there's one thing as human beings we can count on, it is the overwhelming and consistent negativity of our circumstances. Now, I think we feel it more in this season in the midst of this pandemic while everything has been so crazy, but, but it's kind of always the case. Things are bad. Things get bad. And even when things are good and things are going in the right direction, we're almost like we're, we're gritting our teeth like, oh, when's the shoe going to drop? Because it's so quickly fleeting. It's so volatile. Which brings us to a unique juncture when Jesus, who's about to go to the cross and experience the worst form of torture that they had invented at the time in the Roman Empire, starts talking about joy. You're like, Joy, Jesus. Joy, like, you're, you want to talk about joy? I feel it's like the Allen Iverson moment. You talk about practice? You want to talk about joy, Jesus? How in the world can we have consistent joy when the things in this life are so consistently bad? So I want us to dive in and take a look together and look at a few promises from Jesus. If you got that little note sheet that you were able to grab on your way in or if you're taking notes there on your phone, I want you to jot this one down. Here's my core premise that I'll unpack, my big idea, if you will, for the morning. And here it is. When your joy is rooted in the resurrection, no one can take away your joy. When your joy is rooted in the resurrection, no one can take away your joy. This is good news, amen? All three of y'all. I could preach for another hour if y'all want me to. This is good news, amen? All right, there we go. Now you're all excited because you want me to preach shorter. Don't know how I feel about that, but I'll take it. Point number one, you will grieve. Turn to your neighbor and say, grieve. That's a peppy start. Point number one is you will grieve. Jesus starts off here in verse 20, and he says, Very truly, I tell you, you will meet, weep, and you will mourn while the word, world rejoices. One of the reasons I love Jesus is because he's a realist. One of the reasons that I love Jesus is because he keeps it real. One of the reasons that I love Jesus is because the way of Jesus is not some pie-in-the-sky, theoretical, religious perspective that does not touch real life. Jesus keeps it real. Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm going to level with you, disciples. I'm about to take off and be with pops in heaven. But in this world, yeah, it's going to get bad. In this world, you're going to have grief. In this world, you're going to have sorrow. Why? Because in this world, we experience death. This week, I experienced the heartbreaking reality of having to sit down with teachers in our community who had a student die right there in front of them. In this world, you experience death. My father had a massive stroke, and he died, never got to say goodbye in his last moments, and and in this world, we, we experience death. Some of you are, are cringing because you feel it. You remember it. It's visceral. It's palpable. Even in the midst of this pandemic, so many of us have lost people that we loved. There's this terrible finality to death. See, but it's not just humans that die. It's not just people that die. In this world, things die as well. Everything in this life is dying from the day it begins. Some of you are like, don't talk about my looks right now. I don't want to be reminded, right? Everything in this life fades. 
And Jesus, being the genius rabbi and teacher that he is, is hitting on a crucial and vital question. If you're online, you cannot miss this right now. Jesus is hitting on a vital question here. He is asking, what is the it that you're looking to for joy? What's the it that you're looking to for joy? Is it kids? That don't last long. (laughs) Is it health? Is it career? Is it a spouse? Is it your looks? What is the it that you're looking to for joy? Because the joys of this earth always fade. You get a new thing, you get a new toy, you grow up and get a new phone, you get a new piece of tech, you're like, this is the best thing ever for two solid weeks. But the joys of this earth, they always fade. The party comes to an end. Youth fades, health fades, strength fades, beauty fades, children leave, the nest is empty. We build a life and we build buildings and we construct empires and we put together a following. But at the end of the day, it all withers and fades. You're like, this is not the peppy Easter message I was expecting. Well, you got to get the bad news before you get the good news. We're in the midst of a series in James, and James reminds his audience of the reality of this earth. Namely, this life is a vapor. Here one moment, gone the next. Celebrities rise and fall. Dynasties rise and fall. InSync and Boys to Men were the biggest things in the world. But they're not no more. The Miami Hurricanes were the best team in the world. I'm sorry, is that too close to home for some of y'all? Let's pick a team we can all agree with. The Florida State Seminoles were the biggest thing in the world at one point. But we, you know, oh, some Seminole fans here. All right, JC is too, so I'll leave that one alone. Uh, Michael Irvin and Danny Werfel and Chris Winkie and there's the Heisman Trophy winners and the next generation's like, who's that? Who are you talking about? We think that the things of this earth are going to last forever or at least for a while. And they don't. Over and over again, the joys of this earth always fade, always fragile, always let down. Jesus says, I got to level with you, disciples, then and now. In this life, you will grieve. In this life, you will face trouble. But, point number two, your grief will be turned to joy. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news type in the chat there say that's good news he says but you will grieve it will be bad it will get hard but your grief will be turned to joy verse 20 he says very truly I tell you you will weep and you will mourn but your grief will turn to joy I'm a dad two kids and uh, I'm also a preacher which means my family gets the joy of having dad jokes and preacher jokes at the same time. It's painful in the Lash household. And so what has become a custom? Somehow it started, not quite sure how. Um, my wife will ask me things like, hey, babe, can you go ahead and take out the trash? Hey, babe, can you go ahead and change Lucy's diaper? I'm the diaper-changing master in the Lash household. Hey, babe, can you go ahead and grab this thing? And I will utter back the spiritual phrase, babe, I could do all things through Christ. She's like, oh, my gosh. Amen, Pastor. Will you go take out the trash? I'm like, I will. I will go take out the trash. So it's just like a little joke. You know, it's a dad joke mixed with a preacher joke, and it's it's painful for all, but I like it, so I keep doing it. And um, what I have not realized is I have a little disciple that lives with me now, and he's always listening. His name's Liam. He's four and a half years old. He's our oldest. 
And so a few weeks ago, uh, my wife had tasked me with cooking, which based on my culinary abilities means reheating what she already cooked for dinner. And so I was there doing my cooking, um, and, and so my culinary expertise was on display. Nancy was getting some stuff done in the house, and I think she was on a call for work. She's a teacher, works online with Florida Virtual. And so I'm kind of doing my thing there, and, uh, and so I'm trying to cook. And my youngest daughter, Lucy, who's sweet as can be, was in dada mode. All she wanted was dada. And so I'm sitting there trying to cook, reheat the food right on the stove. And so I'm there. And Lucy's like on my leg, dada, dada, dada. I'm like, Lucy. And she's, and she's reaching for me, but reaching for the hot stove. And I'm like, no, Lucy. And so I'm there juggling dada and food and cooking. And I'm there. And the struggle's real. And so finally I'm like, babe, I can't do both of these things at once. Something's going to go bad. And I hear a little voice. From the other room say, Dad, you can do all things through Christ. I was like, son. That was a good one. That was a good one. I remember this moment. It was so tense and I just bust out laughing. Nancy's like, he's your boy. (laughs) Go get your son. See, the gospel of Jesus, it it means many things, but we're we're reminded of something that we oft forget. The gospel of Jesus, it means hope, and it means forgiveness, and it means reconciliation, it means transformation, it means healing, it means redemption. But one of the keys that Jesus says you cannot miss is joy. It's joy. I kind of geek out when it comes to cognitive science and neurological research, and so I was doing a little bit of research this week in preparation for talking about Easter joy. Joy is one of the four foundational emotions. Did you know this? Joy is one of the four foundational emotions that that, uh, neurological scientists say we need, we absolutely need in order to thrive in the midst of the hardship and adversity that life inevitably will bring. What we found is that when it comes to challenging life circumstances, now this is not Bible, this is science right now. What scientists have found, check this out, is that joy is literally like our emotional fortitude and strength. Does that sound like anyone familiar you've ever heard? Oh, wait, God said that in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Go figure. It's like God knew what he was talking about, and science is finally catching up. All right, we know that joy is strength. Now, here's the problem. Behavioral analysis tell us that the problem is that if joy is one of these four core foundational emotions, the problem with joy is that inevitably the more news you read, which is always bad news and rarely good news, the more life you live, it has a way of sucking the joy out of us which is where Jesus is so helpful in that he's so honest and true to life. This is the big but of scripture here. Dad joke, couldn't help it. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, say it, but your grief will turn to joy. Jesus says, here is, I'm gonna level with you, disciples, humans, The world will try to snatch your joy and grief will happen and sorrow will happen and death will happen and loss will happen and hardship will happen and you won't see it coming and you'll get sucker punched by it all, but I will see you again, but I will beat death, but I will conquer the ultimate enemy. 
which is what we celebrate here on Easter Resurrection Weekend. I want that to sink into your heart because this is not the words of a social media influencer and this, these are not the words of a mere human being, a mere mortal. These are not the words of some celebrity. These are the words of God, which means you can take it to the bank. You will grieve and you will mourn, but your sorrow will be turned to joy and no one will take your joy from you. You're like, joy. Pastor John, you seem real excited. You're spitting all over the place. I feel bad for the front row. It's like the splash zone. I, amen to all that. But, but joy, it really goes back to the question at the very beginning. Like, how can we consistently walk in a joy that is promised from Jesus when this world is so consistently bad? Because the joy doesn't come from this world. The joy comes from someone who conquered this world, who conquered the bad, who conquered the sin, who conquered the death, who conquered the decay, and who stands on the other side holding the keys and inviting us to trust his track record and trust him with our lives. I need us to catch this. If you're watching online right now, I, I need you to catch this. This is vital. This is crucial. This is of the utmost importance. To the extent that your joy, core foundational emotion that we need to thrive as God intended and created us to thrive, to the extent that your joy is rooting in fleeting things, your joy will always be fleeting and destructible. But to the extent that your joy is rooted in indestructible things, guess what your joy becomes? None of y'all? No? Eternal. Indestructible. Here's the point. If your joy is found in Jesus, it's indestructible. You're like, well, I, I don't know if I'm tracking with that logic. I'm not necessarily a Jesus guy or a Jesus girl. Why, why do you say that, Pastor John? Here's why I say that. Everything on this earth is going to die, right? Can we all, like, agree with the basic rules of humanity? Everything on this earth is going to die, which means if your joy is rooted in this earth and things that are going to die, guess what's going to happen to your joy? It's going to die. Except if your joy is rooted in someone that beat death, in which case your joy can do what? Resurrect. The beauty of the promise from Jesus is it was not an empty promise. If all Jesus did was die on a cross and we got stopped on Good Friday, we would be in a heap of trouble and I would not be preaching the same sermon. But that's not what happened because while Friday occurred, Sunday was coming and when Jesus gets up from the grave, so does your joy. That's good news. The message, the power of the resurrection is that the fade and the sting of death can't touch your joy because if your joy is found in Jesus, he conquered death. And when your joy isn't dependent on the volatility of your circumstances, but the consistency of his character, no one can take away your joy. When your joy is not contingent on the presence of the bad, but on the competence of the joy giver, all of a sudden you don't have to live an emotional roller coaster of joy and joylessness and joy and joylessness. You can have a stability that, let's be honest, this world is longing for because Jesus conquered death. It won't always look good in the moment, but you know he's, he's working. He's working. Let me use the analogy that Jesus used maybe to help us get a clear picture of this. Anyone here in the room or online, anyone have kids? 
Anyone have kids? All right, a few of us here. Um, to the moms out there, how many of you moms would say you really enjoyed the labor process? Yeah, because we're sane, right? You're like, heaven no, right? Now, now let me ask you another question. How many of you moms would say the labor process was worth it? Show of hands. Why? Because at the end of it all, you've got a baby. You've got your kids. Check out what Jesus does here. Verse 21. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish. You're like, I don't know about forgets, but... She forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, in the same way that you can trust and embrace the painful process because you know the end result will be the joy of a newborn baby, you can wait well with joy because you know what's on the other side of your pain is better. It's worth it. And even if death wins it does not win because he conquered death here's the application here's where i want us to go with our time together this morning here's what i want us to do with what we've heard this morning i am praying and if you're taking notes this is point number three of your little note sheet there i am praying that you and i that we would root our joy in something indestructible that we would root our joy in something indestructible namely that we would root our joy in Jesus. Every year, I, I, myself along with my, my pastor and mentor, Pastor Mike, we kind of sit down and we're like, Lord, what do you want to say to your people on Easter weekend? And I realize there's a lot of us here that it's been a while since we've been to church. Maybe we've never been to church. Maybe we've been coming in the midst of a crazy pandemic year. Some of you are here in person for the first time in a year plus, and we're so thrilled that you're here with us. I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say? And, and here was my sense, that over the course of the past year, Last year, we had the largest Easter weekend, from what we can tell, IP addresses and such. It was online only that we've ever had. And based off of the research of what we know based off cognitive, uh, not cognitive science, based off of social science and what we're researching and polling from people, right now there's probably more people interested in Jesus, open to Jesus, that like Jesus, that are into Jesus, that maybe even have started loving Jesus in this season more than ever before. And maybe you're watching this, or maybe you're watching online or later on demand, and you're like, okay, I, I'm it. Pastor John, I'm with you. Ordinary people, passionate followers of Jesus, I like Jesus. Jesus is the man. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is, Jesus is the truth. He's got all the, Jesus, I'm, I'm down with Jesus. But I don't have the joy. And I need to let you know there's a reason for that. Back when I was dating my wife, Nancy, I was like, man, for some reason she likes me back. This is like a miracle, a sign and a wonder. Like, I got to lock this down before she comes to her senses. I way out kicked my coverage with her. My wife is amazing. And so I'm like, man, I got to do something because this relationship is so incredible. Check this out. This relationship is so incredible and so life-giving. And I, I am forecasting such a great and deep amount of joy that I need to go ahead and, and, and put a ring on it. I need to propose. I need to see if she'd be willing to marry me. And so for the rest of time, I'm done having to say goodnight. I'm done having to walk her home. I'm done having to do I want to be with Nancy Melendez for the rest of my life. Amen. Yes, it's a good decision. It's a good thing to happen. Somehow by a sign and a wonder, she said yes to that proposal. And now we are married. 
And the same thing in marriage is the same thing with Jesus. In marriage, you decide, man, there's such joy that comes from this relationship. I want to put a ring on a finger, stand at an altar, say I do, and enter into what marriage is, which is a covenant. Now, I'm going to use this word, and it's important to define it. A covenant is different from a contract. We live in a world of contracts, which is basically, hey, if you do this, then I'll do that. But if you break your side, then I'm done, and we're out of this. A covenant is, is, is more significant than that. It's more deeply binding. What marriage is supposed to be is it's actually supposed to point to the incredible love that Jesus has for his people. Now, the problem with the moment that we live in is we live in a world of non-committal affection. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. We live in a world where we're like, oh, man, I love that. I love that, that, that social media account. I love that account. We live in a world where we're like, oh, man, that personality, I love that personality. Man, that, that person, I love that person. And then a little bit of hardship comes where you're actually, it's actually going to cost you something to stand by them. And you're like, well, I mean, I don't love them that much. I mean, I just, I like them a little bit. And I feel like if we're, if we're in a spot where we're like, man, I, Pastor John, I'm, I'm into Jesus. I, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. Why am I not experiencing the things that some of my other friends who are Christians seem to be experiencing? Why does it not feel like I get that Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you joy and no one can take it away. I feel like my joy is taken away all the time. I don't think Jesus is a liar, but it isn't my story. I I need to let you know something. You can like someone. You can even love someone. That does not mean you're married to them. Are you tracking with me? And in the same way when it comes to Jesus and a relationship with Jesus, there is a genuine affection, there is a genuine interest, there is a genuine persuasion to move in his direction. But at some point, just like in a relationship with a human being, we need to stand at an altar and say, Jesus, I do, and enter into covenant. The Bible calls this process of entering into covenant relationship with Jesus, which, by the way, is the only place that the joy comes, repentance and baptism. One of our passions in in Greenhouse is to be a Book of Acts church in the 21st century. All throughout the Book of Acts, they would say, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. My prayer this morning is for some of you online, some of you maybe even in the room this morning, that you would respond to the incredible love of Jesus and the message of resurrection and enter into covenant and say, I do, and repent and be baptized. You're like, "What what is repentance? Repentance is a deep changing of the mind which precipitates a changing of the heart and ultimately a changing of your life. Baptism is baptism, getting dunked, going underboard. It's a a symbol, almost like the wedding ring of the faith. It's an external symbol of an internal relationship and transformation that has already begun. This morning, I'm praying you respond. This morning, before we're done, I'm going to invite you to to, to raise your hand. I'm going to invite you to text Jesus to a phone number if you're online. I'm going to invite you to, to come up and pray with somebody as we close in a final song and make this relationship with Jesus Facebook official. Make this relationship with Jesus not just where you've been a fan from afar, or or, or friend zoning Jesus for weeks, months, or years, but where you say, okay, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, your leader. Jesus, you've got me. This this covenant relationship is where the joy comes in. This covenant relationship, it's it's life-saving and joy-giving. Life-saving because our sin is against us. We like the good news of the resurrection, but there's a bad news to it. See, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, listen, you're going to grieve. They're like, well, why, why is he saying that? Because Jesus is about to die on a cross. Okay, that makes sense. Take it a little bit deeper. Why is Jesus about to die on a cross? 
because of sin. Because of sin. See, the reality is that in, in the scriptures, there's a way that God has prescribed for human beings to thrive. There are 633 commandments, but we don't even need to get into all that. Let's just start with 10. The 10 commandments that the Judeo-Christian worldview is based off of and so much of world religions hinge on. There are things like, do not lie. You're like, snap, I've done that. Don't steal anything, ever. You're like, oof, done that. Honor your mother and father. You're like, whoo, definitely committed that one. Don't lust. Don't have envy in your heart, jealousy in your heart. If we go through the list, what we find very quickly is we as human beings, John as a human being stands guilty before God. And that's the message of all humanity. Scripture tells us all we like sheep, we've, we've gone astray. I don't know if there's a season where we've ever felt that more palpably than the season that we're in right now in the midst of a pandemic where we're like, humans got it, science got it, we've got this thing. And a little bug brings us to our knees over a year and we're like, maybe we don't got this thing like we thought we did. Maybe we actually need God more than we ever realized. My prayer this morning is that if you're in that boat where Jesus has been a great teacher, a moral authority, an excellent rabbi and a phenomenal life coach, but he's never become the CEO, captain in chief, lover of your soul, that you would enter into covenant and say, I do, because there is a joy found in Jesus that nothing and no one can take away. And he's inviting you into that joy right now. See, the message of the resurrection doesn't end with the fact that we're guilty, which we are. But it's not just that we're guilty, it is that we were deeply and incredibly loved. I'll end with this story and we'll close out singing a final chorus here. There's a former Franciscan priest named Brennan Manning, famous Christian author, had a radical encounter with Jesus and his grace. And, and he tells a story of a woman named Yolanda. Brennan Manning would frequent a leper colony, one of the last leper colonies in the United States. This is like back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And, and it, so it was in Louisiana. These were people dealing with Hansen's disease. And so they had leprosy. If you know anything about leprosy, what ends up happening is that your, your, your nerve endings sort of deaden. You end up burning aspects of your body. And, and so he met this woman named Yolanda and she contracted Hansen's disease at 32 years old. She was a beautiful young woman and in her career full of promise. And within five years, it had wreaked havoc on her body. She was almost unrecognizable. She had no fingers left on her hands. They had all broken off or had to be amputated off. When she contracted the disease and began to manifest symptoms, her husband was so ashamed, he divorced her and forbid her two teenage sons from ever visiting her. This is a true story. Yolanda lived essentially as a woman that had been forgotten, cast to the wayside, completely isolated and alone. She moved into this leper colony because those were the only people that would have her. Brennan Manning shows up one day, as was his custom, he would go in and visit and pray with the people in this in this community and the head nurse comes up to him. She says, Brennan, you've got to pray with this woman named Yolanda. She's, she's getting ready to die. And so he went into a room and he, he had spoken with her a few times before. He would go with anointing oils and anoint them and, and pray for them and, and just try to speak words of comfort from the scriptures. And so as he got done doing his thing, he, he said he turned around to, to put the cap back on the anointing oil. And, and all of a sudden he sees sort of in his peripheral a bright beam of light sort of shoots out and he's like it was raining when I came in and so I just kind of said under my breath I'm like man Abba which is the, the Hebrew word for father Jesus used that man Abba thank you for the sunshine he says he turns around he said I'll, I'll never forget this till I die 
it reminded me of what, what happened to Moses in the scriptures where it said his face was radiant. He said, I turned around and her face was literally glowing, like shining. Like I had to shield my eyes, it was so bright. He said, and I asked her, Yolanda, you, you seem very happy. She said, oh, oh, Father, I am happy. He said, why are you so happy? This is what she said. She said, the Abba of Jesus came to me. He said he was curious, so he, he asked her, he said, well, what did the Abba of Jesus say? And she begins to spit out the, these like poetic soliloquies. He's like, it sounded like, like Bible, like Song of Solomon Bible verses. And so he's like, oh, they must have been reading that to her to try to encourage her. And he's like, that's so sweet, man. That's really great of them. And, and so he's like, okay, that's great. That's awesome. And, and so he prays with her, encourages her, and, and kind of walks out. A few hours later, she ends up passing away. The next time he goes and visits, he's, he's talking to the head nurse, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm so sorry about Yolanda. She was so precious and sweet. God loved her so much. He said, man, that was so great of you guys to, to, you know, sort of give her a Bible. She was able to dig into different passages, and it sounded like maybe the Song of Songs. And they said, we, we didn't give her a, a Bible, Father. Yolanda was illiterate. He said, well, thank you for sharing the scripture. They said, Father, we're not, that's what you do. We, we don't share scripture with them. We care for their bodies. This is a quote from his book. He says, later that day, I learned from the staff that Yolanda was actually illiterate. She had never read the Bible or any book for that matter. He said, and I realized something. I had never repeated those words to her in any of my visits. After my conversation, I went back and looked and became a man undone. Because you see, Yolanda had quoted the Song of Solomon, verse, chapter two, verses 10 to 14, verbatim. Yolanda was not alone. Her Auber, her father in heaven, had come to be with her, had come to take her home. Friend, I need to let you know in the midst of a world full of hardship and pain, in the midst of a world full of suffering where it's so easy to feel like you've been left out and ostracized and forgotten, and, and you're probably not dealing with a leprosy of the body, but you might feel like an outcast in the soul level. You might feel like, God, where, where are you? It's all great, all these Christians, resurrections, like, oh, this is great. Well, God sure seemed to leave me out of the equation. Friend, the message of the cross is that you were not left out of the equation, that you were not forgotten. And there is a joy found in Jesus that no one can take away. I'm not, I'm not talking to you right now as preacher man, John. I'm talking to you right now as human being, John. Human being, John, who lost the, the, one of his heroes in life two years ago, who's experienced some of the, I mean, easily the hardest season of my life over the past two years. There have been moments that I have wept and shed tears, and Jesus has been with me for every single one of them. I'm telling you, friends, he is the longing of your soul. He is the craving of your heart he is the one that you've been looking for if you're like man i just feel like all these religions aren't they pretty much the same yeah in moral code they are but no one's like jesus no one has manifested and made good on the promises of a love from god to humanity like jesus has it's why we celebrate the resurrection so uniquely because god so loved the world and he so loved you that he sent his son jesus that all you have to do is turn and believe and he promises joy that this world 
And this life and these circumstances and even death itself cannot and will not take away. Why don't you join me as we pray? Jesus, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you're moving even now. Lord, for people in the room, people watching online or who are even going to watch later on demand, I'm praying that by your spirit, your kindness would draw people into repentance. You can keep your heads bowed just for a moment of quiet and privacy between you and God. I want to give you an opportunity to, to respond, to enter into covenant. If you're here this morning and and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Maybe you had experiences with Jesus at some point, but, but you sort of ran from God with track shoes on like I did in my adolescent youth. And this morning you sense God tapping you on the shoulder. You sense his love drawing you near. It's because he's real. It's because he cares and because he loves you. If you want to respond to God's proposal to say I do, to enter into covenant relationship and the joy that comes only from that covenant relationship, if you're done just being a friend of Jesus or a fan of Jesus or someone that's casually dating Jesus on the side until something else good comes up and you wanna enter into covenant, I wanna give you an opportunity right now. Maybe you're here and you wanna renew your vows. Maybe at some point you and Jesus were in a relationship and you were tight and you walked together, but you know you've walked away from God and this morning you're like, man, that's it. We're gonna have like a, a marriage renewal ceremony right now. We're gonna renew the vows. Wherever you're at in that continuum, if you'd like to enter into life and joy-giving covenant with Jesus. I just want you to shoot your hand up in the air right now, wherever you're watching from, and say, I do. I do. Awesome. 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 Hands going up all over the room. I do. I do. There's no magic formula here. I'd encourage you to just pray your heart to God right there in your seat, wherever you're watching from. Something along the lines of, Jesus, you've got my attention, and you've got my affection. I'm yours. Teach me to follow you. Teach me what it means to, to live the life that you've intended for me. Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, your leader. Jesus, I'll follow your lead. What you say in your word, I want your ways, not my own. You could look up at me for just a moment. If you're here in the room, we're going to have a moment in just a second to close here in a final song. But if you're watching us online, we would love to journey with you as you begin your faith journey with Jesus. If you raised your hand, if you prayed that prayer with us right now, you can text Jesus to the number that's on the screen. The way of Jesus is deeply personal, but it is not meant to be lived alone. In fact, it cannot really be lived alone with any level of success. And you don't have to do it alone. We'd love to partner with you. We'd love to come alongside you. We'd love to answer any questions. If you're on the church online platform, you could request prayer right there in the chat. You could jump in with a connection lunch or activate or all the various ways that we have to plug in with micro churches. We would, I would encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey to experience the joy that no one can take away. I'm praying God would bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you his shalom, shalom, perfect peace in Jesus' name. God bless you. Oh, oh, oh.